Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God and it contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome to Know Your Bible. Glad you're back today. Glad you're ready to study the Bible with us. And hopefully we'll get to some of your questions if you've asked one in the past few weeks. We hope we find yours today in our list of questions to answer. Uh, we get a lot of questions. We're always a little bit behind, but we get to them as quickly as we can. Uh, if you're first-time viewers, let me explain that uh, phone number and website that you see at the bottom of the screen. That's how you get in touch with us. That's how you tell us what you're interested in us talking about. That's how you direct the program if you want to look at it that way. Uh, you tell us what to talk about and we'll try to find an answer for you. Sometimes it's a real specific Bible verse or doctrine or topic that somebody wants to know where it is or is it even in the Bible. And sometimes it's things about life and living and current events that our viewers want. What's the principle about that? What's the Bible say about that? Uh, we got questions today about miracles and about uh, prayers, and we got one about being overweight. So we're going to see if the Bible talks about some diet problems today. So we get all kinds of questions. If you've got one, use that phone number, use that website, get in touch with us, tell us what you'd like us to talk about. Toby Levering's back. Good morning, Toby. Hi, Steve. Glad you're here and uh, ready to go, and we take turns answering questions and see if we can get as many in as we can, but we always give you the first one. So our viewers today get this question. Uh, what was the first bird that Noah sent from the ark? Uh, Noah sent more than one bird out to see if the waters had gone down yet, so what was the first one he sent out? Um, the second one is most famous, I think, but the first one's a little more obscure. So let's see if you know what that is, and we'll give you the answer at the end of the program. All right, Toby, I think you've got one and a miracle question here. Yeah. Okay, where in the Bible is the first miracle performed? Now, when I read this question, I took it as uh, the first miracle that Jesus performed, so that's the answer I'm going to give. Of course, there were other miracles that happened before Jesus' time, but this is the first one in uh, Jesus' ministry. Let's look at uh, the, the first miracle that Jesus performed was actually turning water into wine at a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and we're told that in the Gospel of John. Uh, it's kind of an interesting, a little bit of an obscure story because it kind of seems like Jesus himself <laughs> wasn't ready to, to do that. That wasn't the planned time, but uh, mom kind of pushed things, and uh, so he did this amazing uh, miracle and turned the water into the wine for the wedding guests. And uh, here's what John records in John chapter 2. Uh, we've got verses 4 and 11. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. This is the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed in Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. So that's my answer on uh, which one was Jesus' first miracle was turning the water into wine. I'm glad you pointed out you were going to answer Jesus' first miracle. But I never really thought of that. That's the way yep. I'd have thought of it. Yep. But 
technically, if you answered the question, yep. Genesis 1-1 is uh, where the first miracle. Speaking everything from nothing, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> in, the, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I'm, yep. I'm thinking that's a miracle. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure that's what our viewer was after, was yep. Jesus' first one. All right, viewer wants to know about a prayer, a specific prayer. What is the prayer of Jabez. Well, sounds like this viewer's probably been looking in a used bookstore <laughs> and, and spotted the little book about the prayer of Jabez, or maybe he's just heard about it. A few years ago, it was very famous. Uh, a few years ago, it was a best selling little book called The Prayer of Jabez. Uh, and it kind of took the Christian world by storm. Everybody was all excited about the prayer of Jabez for some reason. I never quite understood that phenomenon. Uh, but um, it was a very famous book for a little while. Uh, I'll tell you all the Bible says about the prayer of Jabez. In fact, we can just read it together. Let's look at it in First Chronicles 4.10. This is it. Uh, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. That's it. That's all we know about it. We don't know who Jabez was. Uh, we've got this one little reference that he prayed this prayer uh, that God would take care of him and enlarge his territory and uh, eliminate his pain and all that. And says God granted it. Okay. Somebody took that little prayer and wrote a little book about the prayer of Jabez and kind of made it, uh, and I don't want to be uh, negative or disrespectful here because it's an interesting little prayer. Uh, but the writer of the book kind of made it where people thought it was a magical mantra, I think, that if you pray this prayer, everything's going to be wonderful. Your territory is going to be enlarged and you won't have any more pain and God's going to fix everything. Uh, in fact, if you pray this little prayer just like Jabez did, God kind of is constrained to give you everything and make everything wonderful and all that. Uh, I think that's reading way too much into it. Uh, we've got one little mention here uh, that there was a fellow named Jabez and he prayed this prayer and God answered his prayer. Uh, that's a good thing for Jabez, but it certainly doesn't apply to everybody in every situation. Uh, if you're doing things that you shouldn't do, if you've got sin between you and God and all that, saying this little prayer uh, isn't going to make everything right. Uh, so uh, we may put too much faith in the prayer of Jabez if we read that little book. Great prayer, interesting story, but don't read too much into it. So that's what the prayer of Jabez is. You can read it all in First Chronicles 4.10 and know all about Jabez and his prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I like to, I heard a class one time that talked about that exact verse and they called it Jabez exegesis gone mad, which is exegesis <laughs> is the word for study and drawing out the meaning of the word. And there was just all that phenomenon about the prayer of Jabez. So yep. It is in there, but man, people can really stretch it to mean a lot of things. Uh, the next question is a person wants to know about baptism. They say, I read the Bible every day and I wish to be baptized, but I don't want to belong to any denomination. What church do I need to go to for baptism? 
And well, I want to start out by saying, first of all, congratulations on uh, your understanding and, and, and reading through the Bible and seeing very clearly that it says uh, repentance and faith and a confession of Jesus as Lord and baptism are, are part of that obedience process. And uh, congratulations on starting the first step of a journey that's a lifelong journey. Um, baptism is not the completion of that journey, it's just the beginning. So we're excited, happy for you. Uh, what I would recommend that you do, and of course we always mention all the time, all the time churches on here that um, uh, support Know Your Bible, and if there's one of those in your viewing area, uh, then you can certainly uh, contact them. Many of them have websites that you can find their email or phone number and just let them know what you'd like to do. Let them know that you have um, have been with the Know Your Bible program and, and you're ready to do that. And they may want to ask a few questions and, and want to hear a little bit more about your story, but that's a great first step. Now, if you're in an area where you don't uh, have a Church of Christ that we uh, that sponsors us in particular, uh, or maybe you're watching us online or something, uh, we would certainly want to encourage you to just find a Church of Christ near you. Most Churches of Christ uh, have the attitude toward the Bible that we have on this program, and that is that we believe the Bible is uh, inspired of God and that we believe the New Testament is uh, our uh, guide for faith and practice as New Testament Christians. So that's probably the direction I would point you in. But if you um, are having trouble even finding one in your area, just go to the Know Your Bible website, get a hold of us, and we'll, we'll point you in the right direction to a church that would be willing to help you uh, with that. And uh, I, would encourage, I would say it should be a church that is, believes the Bible and that's willing to help you grow up in Christ. Because as we said, it's the first step, um, and so hopefully they can help you with that. But uh, check the Church of Christ near you or uh, uh, go online and uh, contact uh, the offices that know your Bible, and we'll be glad to uh, point you in the right direction. Okay, thank you, Toby. Good answer. Uh, <clears throat> let me talk about studying the Bible. We spend 30 minutes each week answering a few questions, go as fast as we can, and get as many in as we can. And when we're done at the end of the day or at the end of the year, uh, we've just barely scratched the surface on all the good stuff that's in the Bible. Uh, the Bible itself claims to have all that pertains to life and godliness. What do you want to know about life and what do you want to know about pleasing God? It's in the Bible, and that's why we feel so strongly about studying the Bible. That's why we offer uh, free Bible study materials to help you know your Bible, to help you learn what God wants you to do in this life and how He wants you to have a more abundant life, He says. So uh, that's why we advocate Bible study and home Bible study. We've got some courses that we can send to you that help you get started in Bible study, help you form a regular habit of Bible study, and help you know a whole lot more about your Bible. Uh, I know we've got some old-time Bible students watching today, and uh, these basic courses are a pretty good refresher for some folks. Uh, and if you don't know anything about the Bible, it's a good place to start. It starts with the Old Testament and then goes to the New Testament. That's the first two lessons. You learn about those big parts of your Bible, and uh, when you're done with this course, and if you go on to more advanced courses, which most people do, you'll learn a lot about your Bible. So use the phone number, website, whichever suits you. Uh, let us know that you'd like that free course, and we'll get it started for you. So good way to learn the Bible. All right, uh, interesting verse here the viewers worrying about. The Bible says, call no man father. Uh, well, what does that mean? Well, Good question. I mean, if you take it literally, uh, you can't call your daddy father, I guess. So obviously Jesus doesn't mean that. Uh, but what does he mean? 
Well, uh, let me read you the verse from Matthew 23, 9. It uh, says very clearly, Do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he's in heaven. Now, the next verse says, Nor don't call anyone teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. Uh, so he's talking about, in a few verses before that, he's talking about rabbis, about how rabbis love to be called rabbi. So if we just read one more verse, I think we can figure this out. Verse 11, right after verse 9, we'll put this on the screen. Jesus went on and said, The greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So Jesus is kind of talking about religious titles in one way, but he's really talking about the concept of building yourself up and demanding that people give you some special religious title. And he says Christians don't operate that like that. Uh, we don't treat men as having all the answers and being exalted above us and all that. Christians rather go the other direction and they want to be humbled about things and they treat God and Jesus as the authorities on things. Now, maybe a little history will help here. Back in Jesus' day, the rabbis uh, that taught the Jewish law, they all had their own little schools of thought, their own little teachings that they became experts in. And on any given teaching, uh, one of them might become the most famous, and he was kind of the father of that doctrine. He was the father of that teaching, and he liked to be called that. And they liked special titles. They wanted to be called rabbi and teacher and uh, father and all that. And Jesus said, no, that's not the way Christians operate. Uh, so don't get into that. Don't get into that special religious title kind of thing. Now, obviously we can call our earthly fathers father. And, uh, some other titles are probably all right. But the concept of wanting them and demanding them is what Jesus is talking about there. I'm going to give you one example. I remember from long, long ago when I was in college, Toby, <laughs> I remember one professor specifically because he came into class the first day and the first thing he did was start writing on the board and he said, I've got a master's in this, I've got a master's in this, I've got a master's, I've got a PhD in this and a PhD from here. And he gave us all his credentials and then he wrote his name up there and he said, you will call me doctor so-and-so. You know, uh, this is my title and you will call me that. I knew that day I wasn't going to like him very well. <laughs> he was anything but humble. And, uh, you know, then I had other professors that had more doctorates than him and uh, they just call him Joe was fine, you know. And, and so I think that's the thing Jesus is talking about here is uh, people that demand to be called something. And don't, don't get into that. Just uh, you, God and Jesus are the experts in things and we'll follow them. So that's what he meant by call no man father. Okay. Uh, viewer wants to know if the Bible says anything specific uh, about people eating, overeating, or being overweight. And it does not say anything specifically, and mercifully, it does not have BMI charts or anything like that in there. Uh, I do think God wants us to take care of our bodies because the body's a gift, and you only get one of them. And so we should be, as with anything God gives us, good stewards of it, good managers of it. And so I, I think the principle that, yes, you should eat right and take care of your body and exercise and go to the doctor and all of that 
stuff uh, is is good to do. Uh, but the Bible doesn't get legalistic about it um, because there are so many uh, circumstances and, and uh, variations to people's health. Some people genetically predisposed to being overweight and they just eat right and exercise all they can and uh, that number just won't budge on the scale. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a part of that. As long as you're being healthy and as long as you're taking the right steps as far as you know and trying to take care of yourself, that's fine. Um, but I think that uh, the principle of taking care of your body is important because in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul referred to, now he was talking about sexual immorality in the context, but he says there that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when you're a Christian, the, the Holy Spirit indwells within your body. Uh, he takes up residence there. And so we should take care of it. Uh, we shouldn't let our body be a part of things that are immoral and wrong. And also on the, the other side of that, we should make sure that we're uh, taking care of what we've been given and what we've been blessed with. Uh, typically overeating and being overweight is more a symptom than the actual problem itself. So I guess if you're in that situation, uh, you might ask yourself, why do I overeat? Uh, why am I overweight? Am I excessively worried about things? Uh, am I lazy if I just sit on the couch all day and watch television or Netflix? Uh, do, I, do I have a self-control problem? Well, and all of those could be legitimate things. And I think uh, all of them are improved by improving your relationship with the Lord and paying attention to the things that you do, the things that you eat and how you exercise. Uh, so uh, in general, yes, take care of your body. That's a good thing to do. But no, the Bible doesn't give us any uh, height, weight measurements and, and deal with uh, specific uh, over, overeating and overweight problems. Uh, and it doesn't give us any guidelines, so to speak. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and following. There the Apostle Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Those who belong to the Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So, uh, uh, Spirit-led living is going to help a long way toward that, and uh, paying attention and taking care of your body is good to do. All right, we're going to run all sorts of people off today. You're talking about overeating. <laughs> and I got a question about giving and tithing here, so and <laughs> we may may run everybody off. But this is what our viewer wants to know. And that's what we answer here. Uh, is it wrong to go to church without tithing? Uh, most of the time, we don't have enough for the offering. Well, interesting question here. Uh, my first answer is: Is it wrong to go to church? Uh, without tithing, without giving something that day? And my answer to that would be no. Uh, tithing or giving, of course tithing means 10%. That's a concept from the Old Testament that you give exactly 10% of every part of your income. Uh, the New Testament doesn't have that term. Uh, it just says giving. It's a free will giving. It's giving uh, we were allowed to give more than 10% if we want to. Uh, but giving or tithing, either one, uh, going to church and putting something in the plate, they aren't tied together. It's not mandatory. Uh, some people get paid monthly or 
twice a month and uh, prefer to give when they get a check. They give their portion of that uh, on that day. So maybe they go to church three times a month and don't give anything and then do give on the fourth time. So it's not about going to church and having to put something in the plate. Uh, now the problem, however, there is a problem here, is I think our viewers kind of got things backward from biblical principles. Well, I don't think kind of. I think really our viewer has it backwards from biblical principles because what they said is most of the time we don't have enough left to put anything in the offering. We don't have enough left to give anything to God. Now that tells me uh, that they're spending everything they get uh, to get by. Now, there are some really poor folks in the world that have to do that. They just hand to mouth and barely stay alive and they're starving. Uh, most of those don't live in America. America's blessed beyond measure. We're all in the top 1% of the world, uh, no matter what we have in this country. Uh, but there are people like that. Now, Jesus told a story about a woman that all she had was two little copper coins and she gave it to God. Uh, but the, the principle of spending everything we have to get by and for our uh, basics and for our entertainment and for everything else, and there's nothing left to give to God. That's backwards from the way God teaches us. Let's read a verse from the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 3, and this establishes the order. God said, Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase. And then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now he promised the old Israelites that if you honor me first, whatever you get, if you take 10% of that, your first fruits, and give that to God, then things will go well for you. Now that biblical principle is reinforced in the New Testament. Give and it will be given unto you. So the principle uh, that God establishes is Whatever you get, instead of seeing what's left for God, is you start with something for God. Now, admittedly, you may be in such bad financial shape with debts and all kinds of problems that there's just nothing there, it seems, uh, that I think you need some help budgeting, uh, some help understanding how to manage your finances. Uh, at Northside, where we attend, we have a financial peace university we put on every year or so. Uh, Dave Ramsey course that you may have heard about on the radio. There's another one, Crown Financial. We do that occasionally also. It teaches biblical principles of managing money. And if you're in the shape that you have nothing left that you can give to God, you probably need some help in that area because honoring with the first fruits is a principle that God says He can bless. So, uh, no, keep going to church, but get some financial help. Get Do some thinking about what the Bible says about finances, and God will be able to bless you. You'll be surprised how things change once you get it in the right order of honoring God first. So, no, keep going to church, even if you don't have anything to put in the plate, uh, but get some help on your finances and understanding those biblical principles.
All right, let me take just a moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. Uh, we're kept on the air by Churches of Christ and produced by Churches of Christ. and want to mention some each week uh, today. Let me talk about the Burlington Church of Christ, our partners up in the uh, Iowa, Illinois area. If you're watching on station out of Rock Island, Illinois, uh, the Burlington, Iowa Church is the one that helped make that possible and uh, take care of uh, Bible correspondence courses and lots of things up in that area for us. So a great partner, been with us a long time and uh, we invite you to go visit them. If you live in that area or pass through Burlington, stop out there on uh, South Roosevelt and give them a visit. Tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible. And uh, certainly if you live in that area and are searching for a church home, you'd be warmly welcomed at the Burlington Church of Christ. So drop in there sometime or anywhere you live in the, the broadcast area, you probably have a Church of Christ near you. Uh, drop in and visit them. Tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible. All right, Toby, you get a turn now. Yeah, uh, viewer wants to know, <clears throat> for 15 years after cleaning up my life, uh, I have had nothing but problems and tragedy and loss. Am I being punished for my earlier life? No, I don't think so. And, and furthermore, I want to say I want to commend you for your tremendous courage. Lots of people have lots of problems and difficulties and, and, and make lots of bad choices and, and live in sin and just look at that and say, ah, I can't do anything about it. But you, 15 years ago, made the decision, I'm going to clean up my life. Uh, I'm going to get out of this situation. I'm going to leave this sin. I uh, hope that you have turned your life over to God and put that in His hands. So I don't know the exact, because you didn't share the exact situation that you're having in life, but I want to encourage you with uh, three simple principles. One, we live in a broken world. Uh, the, the, the rain comes on the righteous and the unrighteous. Uh, the clouds, uh, storm clouds come for everyone. That's just a result of living in a broken world. We have loss. We have tragedy. Uh, death happens. Difficulty comes. Jesus said to his own followers, in this world you will have trouble. So turning ourselves, our lives, in, uh, putting it in God's hands doesn't mean we won't have trouble. It just means we have answers in times of trouble. We have hope in times of trouble. And we trust in the one to get us through our troubles. Number two. Um, not every bad thing that happens to you is a punishment. Uh, sometimes it's just the result, like I said, of living in a broken world. Sometimes there are just uh, things that will come as a consequence of maybe things that, that uh, you have your choices in your past or others' choices that they've made. Uh, so not every bad thing that comes is God punishing you, and we can see that clearly throughout Scripture. And number three, <clears throat> sin um, always has consequences even long after it has been forgiven. A simple example of someone who drunk driving and they go out and they kill someone and they, they go to jail and it causes all sorts of trouble in their family. Well, there's consequences and ripple effects forever of that. Can they be forgiven? Absolutely. Can they get their life back on track? Sure, they can. Um, but we don't give up. We don't lose hope and we don't lose heart. Let's look at these scriptures together from John chapter 16, verse 33, the verse we referenced. I have said these things to you that you that in me you may have peace. In in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We'll skip the last verse there, but uh, you can look it up at home, Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. You will get through this. Uh, just hang in there and don't give up. All right. A viewer wants to know, should Christians have radar detectors? Well, my answer is going to be kind of waffly here. I'm going to say it depends on the purpose. It depends why you want one. Uh, if you want a radar detector so you can break the law, 
I'd say, no, that's probably not a good idea. Christians ought to watch the speed limit and follow it. Uh, but if you want one to protect yourself from unfairness, uh, then I'd say, well, maybe that's all right. Because not many, but there are a few places in this country uh, where municipalities uh, set up traps and uh, try to get unsuspecting folks trapped and give them a huge fine, and that's the way they support the whole town. So uh, it's not right, but that's what they do. So if you want protection from that and use a radar detector from that, it's okay with me. Uh, I don't personally have one, but uh, a couple of times I've run into one of those traps, and I wished I had one. <laughs> So that's my waffly answer on that. The Bible doesn't say anything about radar detectors. Uh, obey the government's what you're supposed to do. All right, trivia question. What was the first bird that Noah sent from the ark? Well, it was a raven. Of course, later he sent a dove out that became famous, but he tried a raven first, so that's the answer. Glad you've been with us today. Hope you come back next week and we can try to answer some more of your questions. Till then, we hope you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.